0: This is the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio. I'm Nathan Ruggles. Uh, Thanks for joining us here today on the program, it's great to be with you. I'd like to extend some thanks out to the Teamsters as well as the Pennsylvania AFL-CIO. They're uh, two of the uh, sponsors we have for our programming here at the Union Edge. And, uh, you know, if you don't catch us live, you can always uh, catch our podcast and head out to our website at unionedge.com for our whole back catalog is right there for you to listen to. So uh, we've got uh, Buck Gino back here with us with Work in Progress Radio. Buck, it's uh, good to have you back on. It's
1: always a pleasure, Nathan. Um- uh, we appreciate uh, participating on the
0: program. Oh, well, hey, it's always good to have you guys on. You're always uh, bringing some great guests, and you know, got another great guest here on the program here uh, with you.
1: I do. I have Dr. Rob Davidson. Uh, uh, doctor, uh, thank you very much for joining us on the program today. We appreciate it.
2: Uh, thanks a lot, Buck. Great to talk to you again. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, Ted, uh, uh, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do. And then, uh, and, okay. Uh, and then your endeavor. What's your going
2: of plan to do? Right, right. So I'm an emergency physician. I work in a, a small rural hospital in Fremont, Michigan, a place you know very well in West Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've been doing that uh, 16 years there, almost 17 now. I've been a doc for 20 years, and uh, yeah, I, I'm a big supporter of uh, universal health care, and uh, I've translated my work as a physician after attending a town hall with my member of Congress, uh, Republican Bill Heisinger. Last year, uh, I eventually decided to run against him, so now I am running a U.S. congressional campaign in Michigan's 2nd Congressional District trying to unseat Heisinger out here in West Michigan this November. Well, good for you, good
1: for you. We we appreciate your time, for sure. You know, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to to Rob today a little bit about is kind of a thing that I got on last week and probably will stay on, and and, you know, there was the this effort to buy, basically, it took about 18 months and basically a change in the White House. I know this has come up several times, and uh, and Kentucky seems to be the leader in this thing, but uh, they've uh, basically gave uh, them a waiver to basically uh, uh, allow them to force people that are uh, on uh, Medicaid to do 20 hours of work or what they call community service. What do you think about that?
2: Well, you know, the, the tough thing is, I mean, <clears throat> what they say is, you know, if people, uh, they want to promote health. So going to work will promote health. And my, my concern is, is that people have to be healthy to be able to work, to be able to be contributing members of society. And if you're dangling their health care, like it's some sort of privilege, which for many, that is how they view health care. Uh, some sort of privilege, like a carrot they're dangling out in front of them and telling them, no, you need to go to work so you can get this health care, which, by the way, I think is a should be a, a given right of anybody, certainly on this earth. But in the richest country in the world, health care should be considered just one of those basic human rights. And, and when they're attaching that to some sort of uh, work uh, or work-based or merit-based system, uh, you know, I just think that that is getting it exactly wrong. I think we should be providing health care for individuals so that they can then be healthy and then be productive members of society. That is the desire of so many people that I see. Uh, people just want to be healthy so that they can go and live their lives of dignity and provide for their families. And uh, I think it's just wrong-headed. I guess
1: I guess it begs the the, the question is is, is, is doctor is, is how many people that you see that are are are, are 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 that are on Medicaid that you would even consider that would be in some way I mean you would think if they were going if they were doing something like this there would be you know there would be this large number of people but unless you see something different than I do I don't see this large number of people out there that are collecting Medicaid that are even able to do it.
2: No, no. And you, uh, and you, I know you volunteer at our hospital. And and so you see that side. And uh, no, I don't see that. This is a, a, if any slice would be a very minute fraction of of people who are currently getting uh, Medicaid, currently qualify for Medicaid. The vast majority of people who qualify are what we will call the working poor, the folks who, uh, you know, barely make enough just to keep food on the table. And, and, you know, our state is, providing uh, some kind of health care coverage as a result of that. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it's just another way for uh, those in power, uh, those with, uh, you know, those who basically uh, live off of dividends and off of stock options, uh, for those folks to divide us. You know, it's, it's this, this uh, dividing, divide and conquer. It's the way that, uh, that uh, Heisinger, the way that Trump, the way that these guys get elected. Uh, they take mm-hmm. uh, the a broad democratic base, a broad base of people who just who share values on so many issues, and they try to single out these small groups and make everyone else think, "Well, these are the bad guys. They, they, these are the folks who are, you know, taking all your money." And it's, it's, just, uh, it's just completely false. Uh, and, and it's intentional. This is not by accident that they do it this way. They know that this has very little to do with reality, but it has everything to do with, with electoral mm-hmm. politics and politicians being politicians. And it, it drives you crazy. Yeah, and they, they've already gotten to the people that, you know,
1: collect uh, what we call SNAPs, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program.
2: You know, right. Heaven you know, forbid you know, poor understand. people should eat, right, that's or children should eat, or pregnant women should eat. I mean, heaven forbid that we as a society determine that that's important. I mean, that would be crazy. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, the
1: good news is, though, is that uh, the, the, there's a group fighting in the court system in Kentucky. You know, the, you know their yeah. governor even came up, got a little bit... Uh, uh, went a little bit farther and said, look, if uh, that doesn't work, I'm going to um, get rid of the expansion of Medicaid.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Kentucky has been one of the most successful states with this Medicaid expansion. Uh, yeah. They've seen their productivity go up in their workforce. I mean, they were, they they never wanted to admit it was part of the Obama effort and Affordable Care Act. They called it Kentucky CARES or something like that, but it's been wildly successful down there. I just saw today, again, New York, in New York State, people are suing uh this this uh, provision of that of the work requirement of medicaid so i think it's no i guess that's if that's how it has to be fought hopefully there's enough uh, means by which people can fight the problem is the people that this affects are people who can't afford you know lawyers they they do have to depend on on folks like the aclu uh, you know so hopefully that that continues mm-hmm. to move forward
1: you know i i like i said i just i just never thought there was this great number of people that were um that uh, were that would be able to work so hopefully uh, we can think, get things straightened out what what, yeah. what, what, are the, what is another thing that's really you know obviously people that um you know that are running for office you you know you have kind of a classroom you think of, you know uh, uh, what, what is another thing that's kind of high on your list to hope the thing that you can hope you can make it
2: help make a change at you know, I, I to me, um, and I, but, but this has been as much as it's been me telling people what I think and my vision for what what mm-hmm. is uh, you know what we need to do in this country. It's been a bit of a learning tour the past nine months, and and okay. I've actually learned a lot about uh, workers, a lot about laborers, a lot about union workers, um, including you know uh, trades skilled tradespeople. I've been spending a lot of time. I was on a picket at a at a at a local power plant that closed down, and they uh they they uh hired out of state non union workers to do the teardown, even though it was built in forty six by union labor and it was and it was operated by union labor all of those years. And we're out there on a picket and just just learning about what what it means. I met a young guy a sixteen year old who's a plumber's apprentice and he's signed on for a five year apprentice program and gonna be, you know, earning a living within a year and a half and, you know, learning about how these apprentice programs in, in unions are paid for fully by membership. You know, one dollar an hour goes towards those uh, those apprenticeship programs. And uh, I don't think enough people know what I'm learning now. I think that's part of my job as a person running for office is to educate. But I think unions need to really make it a point to have that be part of their strategy is educating the public about, about what they do. I've also just uh, received the endorsement of the Michigan Education Association, the largest teachers union in the state. And I uh-huh. so I'm on the school board in Spring Lake and my kids are three kids in public schools and <clears throat> for years I've been talking up teachers and the important work they do and how they you know, they're they're required to have a professional degree. They come out of college with nowadays, you know, eighty thousand dollars in debt on average, taking jobs that, you know, people with bachelor's degrees are making at least twenty, thirty percent more, but they take these jobs because it's something they love and it's a calling. And, and and teachers you know another another workforce of, of union workers have been just raked over the coals I think that the powers that be here in Michigan and Lansing and in Washington uh, from the right uh, from that you know kind of corporate billionaire class have done their best and have done a really good job of messaging of dragging teachers dragging other union workers through the mud and 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 really, uh, I think it's time for workers and for allies of workers and politicians who are running to stand up and, 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 and re-educate the public of, of what, what that labor force has done for this country, how we would not have a middle class were it not for union labor you know, coming out of the 1930s, and how weight is across the board – have stagnated as union participation has gone down and down with things like right to work. Now they're considering repealing prevailing wage in Michigan. I know that that is something that uh, they're talking about, you know, even on a national level. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve King out of Iowa has uh, spent his time in office trying to work towards those efforts. Um, you know, that, that, that to me is one of the highlights of what I've learned over the last nine months, and I'm excited to keep working with these folks and hopefully getting their message out and hopefully being, being able to represent them.
1: We're going to take a little break. We're talking to Rob Davidson, uh, candidate for the 2nd uh, Congressional District in Michigan. Uh, I'm Buck Gino, and you're listening to the Union Manager I was talking to you.
3: I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to
2: mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know.
3: We are the BCTGM fighting for American jobs. Nabisco, maker of iconic snack brands like Oreo, Ritz Crackers, and Chips Ahoy, has made its fortunes in America, and its patriotic response has been to send U.S. jobs to Mexico. As a result, consumers across the U.S. continue to boycott their Mexican-made products. Corporate revenues are down across North America. Consumers are sending a loud, clear message. Now, religious leaders from all faiths across the U.S. are calling for an investigation into this Nabisco business model and have scheduled a six-city tour to look deeper into the matter. Just as the NAFTA are in the forefront, the faith community will begin to talk to workers, politicians, and other faith-based leaders addressing this U.S. jobs exodus by Nabisco from a moral and ethical perspective and widely publishing their findings. The BCTGM and Interfaith Workers' Justice, its faith-based coalition partner, ask all people of faith and social conscience to join this fight against Nabisco's exploitation of workers in the U.S. and in Mexico. Millions are already not buying Nabisco products made in Mexico and it's already impacting their bottom line. Join our fight for moral and economic justice at fightforamericanjobs.org. (laughs)
0: Hey everyone, let's all stop what we're doing and take a moment. You see, every
3: moment can be kind of special, but they can be loud moments, goofy moments, dorky moments, it doesn't matter. Because every time dads like us take a moment like that to spend with our kids,
2: well, it's pretty momentous. So let's take a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
0: And we're back. This is Nathan Ruggles here with you on the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio. We appreciate you being here with us today. And I'm glad uh, to be joining you. And uh, we have a uh, continuing conversation here with uh, Work in Progress Radio and Buck Gino here on the line. Buck, it's always great to have you in the program here.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you, always.
0: And your you know. your guest here uh, with uh, from uh, Michigan as well.
1: I do. I have Dr. Rob Davidson. The doc is. Uh emergency room doctor in a, in a small rural community uh, called Fremont, Michigan, and we appreciate you being on the show with us.
2: Uh, Thank you, Buck. Good to be here. Okay. So, I,
1: Before we went into the break, you were talking about how you were on a kind of a learning tour and you were uh, learning about um, uh, some of the ideas and some of the things that had gone on in, in with organized labor. You said you were participating in a little bit of a... Um, if you will, tickets, uh, uh yeah about a power plant shutting down, basically, and using non-union or out-of-town uh, labor to uh, um, to tear it down, which is a sad thing. Right. Is, uh, so. But I guess one of the things, you know, we have this big deal here coming up, and, you know, you, you look at the state of Michigan, and I, I, this is one of the things that are um, kind of disappointing to me. You know, we've been talking about infrastructure in Michigan, I think almost since I was a little boy, and uh, and and now all of a sudden we're we have uh, even on a national level. How is it that you? I mean, do, do you really think that we should save laws like prevailing wage and the Davis Bacon Act, uh, or uh, to uh, basically assure that we get a a quality job and that people uh, basically can uh, earn a decent living?
2: eh? Well, of course. <coughs> You know, of course, and and the the other piece of that is, in study after study, it's been shown when prevailing wage laws go away, the actual cost of the projects really don't change. So they don't save the government entity any money, but what they do is they give more money to the the, the owners, the, that that class, the owner class, and and take money away from the working class. And so when you have You know, the cost being the same, you know, perhaps maybe 1 percent one way or the other, but not appreciably different. And yet um, the wages being paid are less. Well, someone's making that extra money. Um, And so, yeah, it's uh, to me, I think it's criminal. I think, A, I think the fact that we aren't tending to our infrastructure. I know that President Obama tried it um, uh, with uh, with the. Back in 2008 during the recovery, 2009, you know, they, they did, but they did it a, a more tempered version because of the Congress he was dealing with. Uh, he couldn't uh-huh. get all of the spending he wanted toward infrastructure, but but the amount that they did helped pull us out of that recession. And in uh, and, and Michigan, I mean, I'm just, you know, forget the economic effects of infrastructure spending. I mean, we were driving, we went to Lansing uh, to the Women's March, and I went to actually to a prevailing wage rally a week before uh-huh. that. And it was unbelievable to me the road conditions. I mean, it's all over the state. When I when I come in from out of state and you hit Michigan, it's immediately obvious that you're you cross the state border because um, you know, the, the the quality of our roads, but but you know, safety issues like bridges, um it's uh yeah, I think it's it's amazing how we're shortchanging our future generations by not tending to those issues. And yeah, speaking of prevailing wage, I mean it's just emblematic of how these campaigns go, as you know, and others may in Michigan, there's a, a, an initiative to try to get rid of prevailing wage. And the, the law is written yeah. such that if they can get a certain number of petitions, around 400,000 petitions signed, the legislature, the Senate and the House in Michigan can vote to repeal prevailing wage without requiring a signature by the governor. Uh-huh. And all that has to happen is if they get those signatures, if if the legislature says we're not going to vote on this or they vote it down, then it goes on the ballot and the people get to decide. And we know two to one the people will will affirm that prevailing wage is something that we should be we should have in Michigan. Um, but what we're seeing now is all of these petitions that were signed. They were not. They were not uh, uh, gathered. These signatures were not gathered by people who cared about the issue. They were ba- gathered by professional, mostly out-of-state, uh, <clears throat> petition, uh, signature gatherers, and they were paid for by the group funded by the DeVos family, to the tune of 2.2 million dollars, and by the Adelsons to the tune of a million dollars. They're the the uh, Vegas casino owners that supported Trump so heavily. And when you pay people to do something that they isn't in their heart. They're finding that a number of these signatures are invalid, and they may not even get this through that petition drive because of invalid signatures. Then we look at voters not politicians in the state of Michigan that got 400 and some thousand signatures to end gerrymandering in Michigan, a pure volunteer army of grassroots supporters across the state, and they're finding 95 to 98 percent of valid signatures on the preliminary reviews. It just tells you. You know you you can't buy you can't buy these things you know that that your money only goes so far if the people decide there's something that they want, the people can make it happen i mean that's that's what we have the numbers we don't have the money, but we have the numbers. I just feel like we have to mobilize on all of these issues like prevailing wage, you know like gerrymandering um so i'm I'm hopeful that it won't even see the light of day. The petitions will be invalid and and it'll be it'll go away. Well, you know, you you touched
1: on a, another thing when you started talking about the gerrymandering, and and the, there yeah. was a petition's so, uh, presented to uh, basically put this to a, a change it to basically a commission. Do you think that would be a right. better deal than having these politicians draw?
2: Yes, yeah. So currently in Michigan, every you know after every census and the year after the census, so the next one will be twenty twenty one where they redraw districts. Currently, it's uh-huh. done by the legislature, both sides, and then signed off on by the governor. And uh, we are so gerrymandered now that the Republican legislature has, has, you know, it started in 01, and in 2011 on the last one, they made it even worse. We had essentially a 50-50 tie for votes in the state Senate and the state House, 51-49, but around 50-50. Currently, we have 17 senators that are Republican and 11 that are Democrats. So they have a supermajority. No, sorry, 27 to 11. So a supermajority yeah. in the Senate, despite a 50-50 tie in actual votes. And in the House, yeah. I think they've got about a 10-point lead or, or – sorry, a 10 or 11-vote lead, again, despite 50-50. So these districts are drawn to pack Democrats into one district so they can have one, and then they can spread out Republicans over a number of districts and, and keep their majorities. And it's – you know, it's people aren't being represented uh, by, the, by the folks who share their values. They're being represented – you know, by, by somebody put there by the sake of the way mm-hmm. they do the district. So, yeah, that goal is to have a nonpartisan redistricting commission. Uh, they've done it in other states. It's been successful. And, uh, you know, hopefully that comes to Michigan. And, and, and again, I, I don't think we should be doing it the other way. I, I, you know, I'm running as a Democrat. I'm a, I'm a populist, but I, I don't want there to be districts that just favor Democrats. I would just assume have a 50-50 legislature, and then, you know, you have to have a battle of values and a battle of ideas. And the best ideas will come to the fore. That's that's how this government used to work, and uh, now it just seems like uh, whatever Arlen Meekoff in Michigan or you know Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan in Washington decide they want, well, that's what gets forced down the throats of the people, and it's it's not really a, a representative uh, government.
1: Yeah, that's that's for sure. You know, I, I'm actually I'm gone. I'm in a state right now where they do have a, a commission that does that, in Florida, and they, and they they seem to. Oh help. yeah. So. And so, like I said, uh, hopefully we can see some changes coming. You know, and the other thing I wanted to back up just a little bit is to remind everybody about the prevailing wage thing when they when they're, they're thinking about this. You know, we tried this in Michigan uh, that they repealed it for about two years and it didn't work. It got back right. on, and so that tells shows you something uh, that uh, you know actually you know because what you're doing with prevailing wage is you're raising the
2: standard of living for everybody. So. You are absolutely not just people in unions, and they don't have to hire union workers, right? It's just they have to pay that wage, the prevailing wage of the largest uh, city in that in that county, uh, and that's yeah. typically the union wage. So it, it helps everybody. I mean, it's yeah, it's nonsensical. People need to need to be informed. That's part of our job.
1: Well, we're coming to the close of the it, docket, so it seems like it, the time flies. Uh, obviously you have a website, and if people want to find out about you, what you stand for, or, or what you got going, how do they connect to that?
2: Uh, They can go to robforthesecond.com. It's R-O-B-F-O-R-T-H-E-S-E-C-O-N-D. And then on Facebook, it's just Dr. Rob Davidson. They can find me. Uh, Love anyone from any state to go ahead and follow along. Certainly when I get elected, I'll be uh, one of a a member of the the U.S. House, and I will be out there representing everybody, essentially, and and hopefully uh, doing some good for the people in my district and the people across the country.
1: Well, Doctor, we appreciate you joining us today, we really do, and we appreciate what you're doing, and, and, and God bless you for what you're doing, uh, so thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Buck. Uh, anytime. I'd I love to talk to you and hope to see you in person sometime soon as well.
1: We will. That being said, for Charles Showalter, uh, Angela Bachman, Brittany Sheets, Nathan Rock- Ruggles, and the rest of the Union Edge team, I'm Buck Gino, and you've been listening to the Union Edge. let talk later.